0: you're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad and we are in Galway at the moment and I have Gary Kandelam with me and Gary is uh, with the um, it is the Galway Aquarium and Atlantic what?
1: Yeah, so um, Austin you're very welcome to the aquarium, we're Ireland's largest native species aquarium so we consider the blue gem of the Wild Atlantic Way, we're right at the heart of the Wild Atlantic Way, right. Ireland's famous roof and as we stand here we're looking out and we can see County Clare, yeah, <laughs> across Galway Bay, and there's a great saying that if you can see uh, if you can see Clare it's raining in Galway, and if you can't see it it's raining in Galway <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the, when was this open?
1: Yeah, so we've been in operation now for over 20 years, so 1999 uh, when it first started, so uh, Liam Tommy is the owner uh-huh. and I suppose what his goal was was to educate people about the native species but we also make it a public part of the okay. community. Okay, and is he still the owner? Or is it so Liam is still the owner yeah, he's still a uh, private enterprise uh, but I suppose with the aquarium, we're very much connected to our community and organisation, so we're the uh, secretariat of the Irish Ocean Literacy Network, so it's the oldest Ocean literacy network in Europe, and what does that mean? So, yeah, so the ocean literacy uh, it basically is the concept that we're influenced by the ocean and the ocean influence influences us. So, the seven ocean principles basically talking about how we're so connected to the sea you know, we depend on this for our life, uh, transportation, food, health, welfare. So, we have to respect, we have to have the so we talk about literacy, it's like that awareness about the ocean and how it impacts on us. So, that's how we
0: work on that principle of ocean literacy and there are others you said that you would be in partnership or would have relationship with around Europe or around the world
1: yeah so we have a fantastic board there so you will see just a handful of the people who we work with so there are a host of local organisations local communities, NGOs then we go on to the national level like Clean Clean Coast, we're a member of Clean Coast then of course then we go even broader so we're part of that Prep for Blue and the EU for Ocean so very much you know uh, we're the, we're, we are a relatively small aquarium but we have a big
0: impact so we've just come in the front door so uh, I notice up here that there's times up 11, 12, 13, 1, 2, 3, 4 is, that our, is it that there are guided tours available on the hour?
1: Yeah, so this year I suppose for the last two years the aquarium has really invested in the visitor experience so we have a, a dedicated uh, experience team uh, they're all crew trained so their goal is to uh, inspire engage and educate I when people come on through that uh, either as a uh, feeding session talk workshop or just generally be around for questions
0: so Gary this time of the year it's very much a tourist attraction during the off season would you have schools coming here
1: yeah uh, very much uh, what we use during the summer Yeah, we'd have that visitor attraction uh, welcoming people from all over the world and then of course during the summer the off season uh, then you start to welcome the schools so um, we would have a lot of schools coming here post primary uh, secondary schools and we're also the of the explorers education program so that's, Ireland, we talk, yeah,
0: some of that's
1: Ireland's largest uh, ocean literacy and marine education program for, for schools
0: all over uh, Ireland Okay, so someone comes in uh, normally there, is there a need to make an appointment is there a need to register in advance um, and are there particular busy hours where would be appropriate or better to do that so do maybe we, we guys suppose, design the
1: experiences that would be an experience typically every hour uh, but really it's about the self guided exploration we put a lot of investment into the, uh, the interpretation, the signage, so you could wander and just explore and learn about the species. Now,
0: I know Galway very well, so I know parking is always a problem, but a lot of people come to park on the prom, They could be down at Black Rock, but this is well within walking distance, there could be even down at the Tadda, and this <laughs> is all within, well we're walking distance. One of the unique, I suppose, the
1: unique points of really are the area is that we free park in and we're the only all-weather attraction. Right. Uh, in Salt Hill, yeah, so uh, it's easy to access it, plenty of parking, and
0: of course, you have the uh, all weather attraction. And anything like this, because I see there's families coming in with young kids, yeah. and, and um, so it's a real family place, it's not just for the educated or those wanting to be fully educated. Yeah, and I,
1: I think uh, that's really important to said that because uh, the inclusivity is the ethos of the aquarium. You know, uh, ocean literacy is uh, including everyone in the ocean conversation so I uh, don't just see on the website we have our social story so we try to be inclusive of all visitors with special needs uh, just to make sure that they can enjoy the
0: experience so Gary I have a question relative to uh, not knowing exactly how you've you been here yourself but between 1999 and
2: now has
0: there, there been noticeable or has it been noticed has there been much change in the marine life in the area so I, I think um, we
1: would have a lot of connection say with uh, the Marine Institute yeah. and uh, other organizations we're an ocean literature network is So, we don't say monitor or do that type of stuff, but we do get involved in citizen science. Right. So, we do Explore Your Shore, we do the litter survey. So, um, I suppose the changes we would see is yes, the water, the climate's getting water, you know, storms are getting in much better. So, we do see that marked change uh, in, in the environment it's that right. we're kind of looking yeah. after. So, through our Explore Your Shore and our beach cleans yeah. we've actually noticed that the uh the litter has always uh, it hasn't really changed so much because a lot of litter gets held in the ocean it gets washed up right but like we've um, we've been doing the beach clean say every almost every month for the last two years and there's always litter there so yes. It's almost endemic. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer, but um, we, I suppose, we, we, we would have noticed that there are subtle changes happening yeah. in the ocean, and they are quantifiable through that, that type citizen of science right. and through talking to the marine institute.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's probably not en- enough of a time period still where you can see that some species may have moved and new species may have come in.
1: Yeah. Th- um, yeah. Through, uh, I suppose we wouldn't have. No. What, what we would have noticed in Always the, the loss of the mackerel. You know, the mackerel yeah. uh, used to be a popular oh, yeah. uh, part of the community, you know. And, and that's one thing I suppose that you could point to that people just aren't catching mackerel anymore.
0: Yeah, every so summer well, I remember yeah. like young that yeah. came along the shore yeah. and on the west coast there was mm. plentiful mackerel
1: yeah they, they, I suppose because I, I I'm next door I, I live next door to a fisherman and he's always saying but the you know the mackerel are gone yeah. um, and like you know yourself years
0: ago as a child you'd go out mackerel and you'd oh, seven okay. hooks and you pull them up and, and those and things are gone. succulent yeah yeah, they were Yeah. so uh, Gary someone arrives here and uh, they come through Wh- uh, when we walked through the door what are we going to start with?
1: Everything starts with a splash in the aquarium. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, the first part is that uh, splash in the aquarium. So,
0: let's, well that's, let's that's go and explore. That's appropriate because oh. I, I, did, I did go in and uh, brave the cold water <laughs> at Black Rock. So, uh, there was not a, a huge splash.
1: So, here we go. we give an uh, all <laughs> countdown. Okay. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. seven six, six. Five. <laughs> Three, two, one. Nine times out of ten, I'm right. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> so if we go a little bit closer, so we'll just um, the bass is a, a keystone uh, fish of Ireland. Uh, see if you look to the side, can you see the lateral line? Uh, All fish have this thing called the lateral line. Yeah, it's a sensor full of holes, so they can, um, you know, they they can't close their eyes. (laughs) They have no eyelids, (laughs) so they keep their eyes open all the time. But um, for them to see or sense their environment, they need the radar. So every time they move, they send out a little radar that lets them know what objects are in the way. Now some people say, would the splash not? impact on the animals but this is where they live uh, right. they live close by these and um, you know, the otherrays of the, the burn or the, the cliffs of more and that splash loosens food from the rocks and they jumping up so they're designed to be agile now the thing we talk about is all about overfishing so the larger the fish the more fish it reproduce and the smaller the fish, the less. But unfortunately, a lot of the fish that are being caught. They're caught really small, and so they're not reproducing to replenish the uh, replenish the stock of fish.
0: So I saw fish down l- lower that had a sharper nose on them. Yeah. And um, they weren't they weren't bass. No, no. These are all bass in here now. But um, but this this guy down here.
1: Oh, that's the bass. Yeah. All right. And what we do is sometimes uh, because we're a viazza and he has a uh, a credit and we do things like animal enrichment, you know, making sure the environment, we never have a. a we never have a fish that's too big for the tank. So uh, everything is designed around the animal, and then the visitor experience. You know how the visitor experiences the exhibit. But then, um, I suppose going back to the ocean literacy, uh, we have the only underwater live stream in our, in Europe. It's the Smart Bay facility at South Spital, okay, and they they have an underwater camera that's on 24. Right, and it's really fantastic just to see the live ocean 24/7. We're so, okay. Smart Bay uh, live uh, feed so that would be the Google search that would be the Google search but it's a brilliant resort
0: we'll okay. head upstairs now will we? we will indeed Gary while we're moving from upstairs what piece of music have you a suggestion
1: yeah so um, now, Dr Maria uh, uh, Victoria Mara who's the Explorers Education Officer uh, she's very fond of music and the ukulele and she's actually produced uh, some two songs with her group the ukulele songs they're on YouTube that's the Big Fish and
3: Hi everyone, this is Maria Vittoria Marra from the Strait of Messina in Italy, right at the center of the Mediterranean. I am a marine biologist and until a few months ago I was living in Ireland, precisely in Galway. When I was there I had one of the best ideas of my life when I decided to learn how to play the ukulele. Thanks to this decision I met a group of wonderful musicians who were part of a band called the Galway Euchres. When I left Ireland, we had an idea to write together a song about the ocean, which could support some uh, co- campaign of ocean conservation. From there we ended up writing more than 10 songs and we established a collaboration with the Irish Ocean Literacy Network to support their initiatives like this workshop. Today we share two of our songs with you. The first one is called The Pig Fish and it was written by Heimer Schroeder and Sean McGrath. The inspiration for this song came from a series of very sad images about the pollution that affects the ocean. uh, The big fish is a mythical creature that thrives on the garbage that ends up in in the ocean because of us. In spite of the very ironic lyrics and the catchy rhythm, the message is clear, don't feed the big fish.
2: I'm their patriarch, baby, and the ocean is my home. Through endless seas of garbage, I love to roll. Thank you, thank you for making my world a and crow. Nothing I like more than living in a chemical space. Hey, 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 hey. Six pack plastic, that turtle is pressed. Can you send me some more? I just cannot get my fill. I'm the fish, baby, and the ocean in my home. Throw endless seas of garbage out of Tyrone. Thank you, thank you. I have a, a seahorse friend, he married a to kitty today. My octopus neighbor, a bottle of is his love. They send me some more.
0: Upstairs, and I see where the first thing I could see when I arrived was moon jellyfish. Yeah.
1: Uh, so this area is very interesting. So I, I, I kind of explained how Ireland or the aquarium likes to be part of campaigns, initiatives. Uh, so we were the first in our, in the world actually to support the Our Ocean campaign. It was a campaign where uh, the European Union had asked uh, aquariums because you know, we'd have a voice. A kind of a, a, what's that, a genuine, you know, appreciation of what's happening in the right. ocean, and they said, "Would you not support the uh, Our Ocean campaign, which is uh, preventing plastic pollution from uh, entering the sea?" So they also asked us to support the United for Biodiversity. So, uh, you know, we were talking about the impact of fresh air. And so we um, use that community development principle about think local, uh, act global. Okay, so everyone says, like, why do you have all these piranhas? I thought you were native species aquarium but I think this is designed to show that the actions that we have could have uh, positive impacts on other countries other areas who may not have the support say of like you know clean waters clean airs um, all your different protective elements that help keep your environment safe
0: and of course Gary there is a perception in a small country that because you're a small country that you have very little impact if any impact on the big picture yeah yeah,
1: and I think that that's a key point that uh, we everyone can. Uh, uh, I suppose the whole thing with that and um, our ocean campaign uh, was one small change. So we we created that one small change here at home. So what we did we reduced our plastic uh, consumption by about fifty five percent because we, we moved to the biodegradable materials for cups and things. Now we still use plastic a lot as well, but we offset that by our conservation, our beach cleans so it's all about that reducing our own impact on the environment through public engagement, speech themes, etc.
0: So coming back then, while well we we'll talk about the moon jellyfish, yeah, um, is the moon jellyfish native to the ocean here? Yeah,
1: so these uh, moon jellyfish, I suppose, they're really quite amazing species. They've never had to evolve. Uh, they're a really simple system. They've got no brains, no heart, no blood. Uh, they're just a really simple species that have thrived for millennia, and they survive in every single ocean and I suppose the problem with moon jellyfish and the environment that because these can survive in almost any environment wherever there is low oxygen you know we have all these problems with say the nitrate changes in the water that there's about 170 dead zones around the world that's where there's no oxygen in the ocean and what happens is these guys love like because there's no predators so they explode they will explode and the oceans out of kilter because, you know, they're food for other animals etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if there's no oxygen and the other animals side, like, they just explode. So there's areas actually of the ocean where, you know, there's no water, it's almost jellyfish you're pulling up. Because they thrive in these low oxygen environments, you know, it's thrown the ocean out of balance. And there's a great, for uh, Heritage Week, uh, there's a fantastic new YouTube clip about the blue dots at Connemara. And one of the stories in it, this is, I didn't know this at all, it blew my mind. You look at salmon, right? So salmon, um, you know, they go up and down the rivers. When there's a famous mussel, I forget what the mussel is called, but that mussel, for that mussel, to survive and thrive, it needs to attach to the salmon's fin. Okay. Symbiosis, right? Now the story says because it's such a balance that you know if the water is not kept clean where the salmon go, that that species won't be able to hit onto there and it won't be able to survive. So uh, we have an explorers game. It's like a Jenga tower. You know, we get the kids to start pulling. You know, the micro plankton from this Jenga. And everything falls. The the ocean is such a fine balance for different species, help other species out. And if you pull one of those species out, the whole system collapses. Like uh, sharks. Sharks are very much the bouncers of the sea. Uh, They keep the seagrasses meadows free from predators. Uh, With no sharks, you'd have no meadows. You know, it's all these how these, and that's where ocean literacy tries to engage people. So they were like, you know, you really do have to look after every species because they're all interconnected. What are
0: we seeing here?
1: This is the uh, uh, famous ocean tank. This is featured in the uh, the guards. Do you remember, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, yeah, and uh, this is the one they're featured. They were talking in front of the ocean tank. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so it is um, upstairs. This is the uh, top floor view. Uh, so basically, looking down on our wreck. Uh, we have some sharks and we have some bass starfish in this in tank. This, in this
0: so, again, these are native. All native species, yeah. So, the sharks here, normally, it's, isn't it? Sharks need warm water, do they not? So, I suppose
1: the. Uh, the there was a recent survey uh, a few years now. The Marine Institute uh, they were doing a deep dive and they actually found uh, shark nurseries. Uh, currently, we have about 71 species of shark in Ireland. Well, and the perception is that a shark has to be, you know, uh, massive. But typically, a native shark is only about less than one meter. Look like little puppy dogs.
0: Right. These be fished.
1: Commercially, no, um, no. Uh, we actually have a brilliant, a uh, uh, good fish guide, right? Or the sustainable fish guide. To talk about, you know, people that enjoy fish or everything, they can make choices based on fish Correct. that are yes. sustainable. So, it's a good fish guide, you know. Yes. So it's kind of like you can eat this fish, but don't eat this fish because, yes. um, yeah, if people are in the market of eating fish that are endangered, yes. you won't have them anymore. Yes. So then that, you know, people are saying, well, I don't want. I want to. Sustainable fish. Be right that's how we keep the keep the fish population in check, by people making ethical choices on what these know. So as I said earlier, because we're a Biazza and the Azazoo, we do have certain conditions that we have to fulfill. Uh, so every uh, every year we get these um, uh, visits by these Biazza welfare groups, they do a whole check on our system for animal health and safety, right. animal welfare, uh, PH filter, everything. So we've highly experienced the who do daily uh, daily checks on animal health welfare uh, checking is the water so yeah, so we have a very good team to ensure uh, that the environment is uh, supportive and the whole role of aquariums is to uh, say uh, breed species that are in the aquarium already I'm going to say about six species of uh, fish uh, in this tank so we've got our bass, our rat our uh, shark and uh, some starfish
0: as well. And they obviously cohabitate. Yeah, so the aquarists are very good as well
1: like picking animals that won't uh, because fish normally eat Other fish, yes. Uh, So, yeah, so we have to be very selective in how we pair animals together. What animals, and actually, what we do with some of the species because a lot of our fish are eat bacteria, uh, we have a few hermit crabs who help clean. You know what I mean, their, their role is to eat all the uh, detritus that might be in the tank as well. Right, right. And uh, not only do we clean the tank, but we hide, we kind of have animals uh, that will feed off the algae in the tanks as well. So circular economy. Where do we go from here? Well, We'll take a walk around here. Um, so I suppose, if you remember earlier you kind of were commenting, look across the bay. Yeah. If you were to look across the bay uh, a million years ago, it'd be covered in trees. Yes. Uh, so we have this uh, barn, log logboat. This is a museum quality. Uh, museum piece, and this goes back 5,000 uh, uh, 5, years. Uh, there's actually, if you're ever out in the middle, you can actually see the fossilized trees on the shore. Yes. Um, so, so, this uh, is a, yeah. a really much a, a kind of a callback to our past connection with the sea. Uh, everyone used to uh, use transport by boats, yeah, I, surrounded by rivers. I saw it, so much uh, raiders from uh, Vikings and the like that you could actually sink the logboat and refloat it. So you imagine um, that your village was attacked, the first thing they go for is to break your escape vehicles, they right. scrape your logboat. so the Vikings, you know the first thing they go for is sink the boat so that people can escape, but the villagers soon learned that you could actually sink one and refloat it to escape. Right. This is a museum quality piece, this is donated by the National Museum of Ireland, um, so it's a very special piece and uh, this is, suppose, uh, one of our campaigns, uh, United for Biodiversity. Right. So this talks about the global south and the issues that are affecting them, because like that, um, you know, we use these terms like the blue lungs of the earth. The blue, you know what I mean? You know, the Amazon is producing all our oxygen. Yeah. Because of such like the ocean produces oxygen as well, but the Amazon is a strong producer of oxygen as well and carbon storage. And um, so that's why, you know, we have this campaign. You're kind of like looking around going, "This is very tropical." I thought it was a yes, the Yeah, But the whole idea is that we do have to, um, you know, we don't have what we have, because we're doing it, because there's other parts of the earth that are provide not to for us, so we, we have to kind of be, be respectful and acknowledge that.
0: We'll take a little yeah. walk and play another piece of music, and uh, we'll hear more ukulele, and we'll be back in a moment.
3: Hi everyone again, I share with you our second song, that is called Ocean Love Song, and it was written by Jerry Savage, who was inspired by his personal relationship with the ocean, In spite of the personal images used to compose the lyrics, the bright and breezy spirit of the song will certainly bring all of us to relate to our own relationship with the sea and it will enforce the need for us to realize that we have to do whatever we can to save the ocean.
2: Let's go walking by the ocean Let's go walking by the sea See white horses dance and tumble Salty breezes on our cheeks From the greatest ocean mountains To deep the valleys in the sea Full of magic, wondrous creatures mysteries without have Sunshine far In the water, you're allowed to carry some of these. The you're joy and wonder what the man is just a man. You and me. The time for action is upon us. The future lies with you and me. The future lies with you and me. The future lies with
1: you and me. We're uh, starting our journey. The ocean starts, uh, it's at the waterfall. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the story of the sea all starts from the you know, your first drop in the waterfall. This is our freshwater area, so really, this area is talking about you know, where the first where the ocean starts. This is your river course, uh, that's your canal, uh, that's your river, your mill pond canal, and then we go on to the estuary. So, this tells the story that. You know we have lots of fish in the sea but our, our rivers are full of life as well. Uh, so we have lots of different types of river species like your tench, your trout say, your uh, pike, uh, everything. And we also have a famous fin whale skeleton. It's over 60 foot long. This was the Way whale, whale, and it was washed up, I think, in 19 and 1964. And it was uh, on display down in Cork, and then the aquarium got it for uh, uh, for, for its own uh, exhibit. So it's the largest uh, largest indoor skeleton in Ireland,
0: and it's the second largest whale uh, in, in the ocean. And again, they are actual. It is not a these are the, act- the actual yeah. spine yeah. and the, yeah. the actual bone. And I, I love to, um,
1: I, I use this to talk to kids like how big is it's throat and all the kids go massive. But it's throat is only like a, a pinhole, a keyhole. Keyhole, it gets all it's food through it's mouth, it's got its swelling plate. It's teeth, so it acts like a filter, so it swallows all the water. Right. And it squeezes all the water and then a little microplankton feed it. Right, so I'll show you the... Yeah, so
0: in other words, if somebody is out there <laughs>
1: and a whale comes t-
0: swimming up to them, they don't need to worry, they can't be swallowed.
1: It'll spit you out, it might swallow you by accident, but it'll spit you out because it can't eat you.
0: Right, so it's a bit like something getting caught in your throat. Yeah,
1: so see, it's, it's got a wall of these teeth, and see the way the teeth are purposely like hairs? Yes. They're what trapped uh, to the little microplankton. Right, and then they're absorbed into it. Right. Amazing. This is the uh, this is a brilliant part. This is the story of the river. Uh, so we always say to the kids, Do you like bugs? And all the kids go, No. <laughs> um, but without the, the micro-inverse invertebrates and the tiny light, you wouldn't have all the animals here. So the um, I forget his name now, Michael. Oh God, I worked with him on this. Uh, he always had this vision of telling the story of the river. And so I actually drew all the. Uh, the images here. And so we told the story about the small little invertebrates that feed all the fish, the birds, and the bats. If you notice on some of the signage we have threatened, non-threatened, right. So in the aquarium, like we have over 100 species of fish, and we have them all marked whether they're at risk of being uh, extinct or whether they're endangered or uh, they're plentiful.
0: So the population of fish seems to have probably seriously dropped over the last 40, 50 years. Yeah, yeah, they, um, I suppose, and
1: that, you know, this lack of ocean literacy, like, like a fisherman knows, like fishermen are very good because for the environment, because they know, like if this happens here, I won't have any more fishing, does me. And um, the Irish inland fisheries and Bordish Gamara are very protective of fish, because you know that it's, it's worth billions to the world, you know, because yeah. our fisher. And um, so what they do is they do that whole sustainable fishing ethos, you know. Right. They have the quotas The Marine Institute released the. Uh, it's called the stock book uh, So they have scientists going out uh, assessing the, 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 the quotas of the different types of fish that are around right. and they say this is how much of the fish that you can fish or this fish is at risk. And so there's a whole mass of work done by Bordish Gamara and the Marine Institute to track and trace what fish are at risk, what fish are plentiful and what measures we can uh, put in place to restore the stock. I know that there's, there's, there's a new um, issue coming to the before now, uh, I think it's up in the Northern Ireland. By uh, I think it's called, I forget the river, and um, but they have that blue green algae, and it's closing down tourism, closing down business. It's having a huge impact on life. So basically, um, it, you know, we talk about the the, the runoff. Uh, these uh, rivers are choked with this blue algae. Um, and um, Ireland we've had a few instances of the harmful algal blooms uh, we haven't had harmful algal bloom in a while but it's coming um, so there are outbreaks of these and um, the local waters and communities are all doing these evaluations on the water quality and there's no doubt the water quality has dropped
0: them. and when you say that you know the connection between that and what comes out the tap that we want to drink. It's yeah. not it's not a long journey. No, uh, and that's why
1: the aquarium has the uh, Think Before You
0: Flush campaign.
1: Uh, so we run the Think Before You Flush uh, for other businesses. So it's all about that. Only pee, poo and paper should go in the toilet. Because that has to go to the water treatment plant to be treated but what's happening is there's an influx of wet, white, cold, grease and unfortunately what happens is the waste water treatment can't handle uh, such a massive load of wet wipes, you know. Uh, they create uh, fat birds that just make it, tot- uh, that make it totally untenable to have fresh water because you're trying to
0: cope with these things that the wastewater can- can't deal with. Right, right. I'm um, coming here and I see a variety of coloured fish yeah. and it's wonderful because I see some black and red and I saw white some white. It's um, grey, um, I nearly get the feeling if I stuck a finger in that uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be minus a finger. Uh, this is a good tank, uh, so these are our milk pond. these are our carp
1: koi and our tench. Now a tench uh, is brilliant and um, there's a fantastic story about the legacy of tench. If you ever had a sore foot? you'd wrap the skin of tension around your foot and it'd heal you in no time. Um, We have a new modern exhibit there about modern health. A lot of these health stories are come from what we get in the sea. You know, the fish, uh, we talk about all the vitamins from the fish oils, uh, the benefits of eating fish food. Um, You know, it's just a home from fish good for your health familiar with the the white but, but are we they're koi Yeah, um, ornamental fish the, the koi. These are like like an ornament so yeah, like very yeah. colourful
0: and yeah. very pleasing to the eye and would I would these be again a fish that would be caught and end up on a plate? and you see
1: the, these carp came all the way from Rome <laughs> um, so the Roman army uh, they know an army feeds off its belly uh, so the Roman army used to bring these fish you know as they are marching towards England so you know they'd introduce the fish in all the rivers all the way because you see they're quite big yes and um, so, you know, we talk about that balance between what's a native, what's invasive. So, I suppose carp, what were carp ever in Ireland? Probably not. Were they introduced? Yes, they were. Uh, but when did they become native then, you see? Because if they're here then for 30, 40, 100 years... Um, or lacking on that native status, right, right. Like so, in the aquarium, we we talk about biofacts. Um, so a biofact is what a, an organic piece of animal that has been left on the shore. You know, like your uh, shark eggs, your shells, your claws. So. A lot of the crabs molt, and when they molt, they leave behind the biofacts All oh, right. So that's, uh, that was from a, a live crab that I just molted. Right. And now it's used as an education piece. Oh, okay. And that uh, was a turtle who'd washed up. Um, yeah, you know, you talked about, well, what if difference to, We are finding a lot more washed-up um, stranded turtles, where you never find them before, but, you know, there's storms at sea. So r- around the Mediterranean, you know, like it's a narrow passageway. Yes. And you think, sure, how could a turtle get hit by a boat? Well, when you see how many boats... Yes. So, you know, there's boat strikes there's storms and they stay, uh,
0: stay quite close to the surface
1: they do stay quite close to the surface and they can get stone cold you know like if there's a storm it's like a coma uh, you know we talk about the uh, the temperature of the ocean yes like we can cope with extremes at least pretty well yes animals can yes do you know what I mean so the second it gets a little bit too warm or cold they just sun right collapse coma yes yeah.
0: Yeah, fascinating, fascinating. Um, if someone is coming in here, and uh, as we're I think we're we walking past, uh, is this a this high
1: Brazil This is the Galway hooker. That's what I thought it was. This is the workhorse of the sea. Right. And I, you tell people a really cool story about this. Can you see the shape of the body? Yes, it's got a, the a flow of the body. Yeah. So every designer would have his own particular flow. Yeah. And some say what's that for? But when you imagine um, there's no peers back in the day. So you need a good Leaning against the wall. All oh right, yeah. It wouldn't damage the rest of the boat, you see. Right. So you have a particular part of the the, hub the that's used for leaning against the wall. Right. Right. Um, just go back and forward to uh, the Iron Islands, full of full of fish, uh, full of produce, turf, animals, livestock, right? Everything. Now, uh, about 200 years ago, you'd have about two or three hundred vessels in the bay. Yeah. And you'd have all it'd all be red. You'd be like. Who's keeping order of this? Because you know, everyone's doing their own little thing. So the king of Clada used to have a white sail ship. Ah, so you see the white sail ship, and you go, King of the Clada. Right, so there's a problem here with this. And the king would resolve all these kind of conflicts. If you wanted to get married, uh, the bigger the net. The better the one. <laughs> so, uh, nest was used as a wedding gift. <laughs> and so, the better the net. Uh, now, do you remember I was talking to you? Science and myths are very much connected, right? Right, So, you've got this magical island that appeared off the coast of Ireland every seven years, right? right? Now, you imagine... Um, Ocean literacy back in the day probably wasn't what it was now, Right. but they'd see a lot of things so every seven years these sailors would see high brazil, this green island, but they said that when a man tried to walk on it, the ocean would pull him down, he'd drown. Dead, right? And he'd be gone to high brazil But what they're thinking is now maybe they saw a harmful algal bloom. So harmful algal bloom would be this big mass of green, looks like grass. Yeah, you know, and you'd see it for miles and miles. You'd be like, yeah. look at all that beautiful grass, not a tree. Except on the island. But it was only the, the harmful algal bloom. Here's the story of the real map of Ireland. Um, Here's Ireland, uh, so uh, when Ireland joined the European Union, uh, because we live in a continental shelf, you're allowed to extend the boundary. So Ireland said, okay, we will take all of this. Okay. And I have the map in your bag, the real map of okay. Ireland. Okay. So the real map of Ireland has increased Ireland's land from, you know, this land to over, I think, like 110 million hectares. We own all this. Okay. Now, talk about the science of the ocean. So down in the equator, you have hot you've water. Yeah. So when water gets hot, it rises. So you've got the North Atlantic Drift. Yes. Yeah. That's this powerful mass of warm water. It deposits all these nutrients onto this dinner table. See? Oh, <laughs> my a natural dinner table it's not too deep because that's the midnight zone where no you know life can't really live right and then you've got the sunlit zone where all life lives right so it's harvesting ground for food it's like a dinner table one of the best dinner tables that's why Ireland's famous for its fishing right because how many other countries have a continental shelf? that's so
0: perfect that
1: actually aligns perfectly with Where'd the drift end? deposits all the nutrients
0: Gary I've heard talk in the last short period of time that uh, the ocean is warming to the extent that the Gulf Stream North Atlantic drift and the uh, water surrounding it will arrive at the same temperature basically to the effect the impact that the drift will be lost the effect of it will be lost
1: the AMOC the Atlantic Meridian Ocean Current uh, it's the engine of the sea so you know like Your car, you know, when you start up your car, the engine goes... Uh, the threat to the this AMOC is is twofold so if you have um, there's a load of signs here and this is what's really good about this the sign is true you know what I mean you can evaluate it you can check it you can test it under any condition you get the same response so salt water is much different than fresh water you know different type of weight if you have fresh water from the ice melting that's going to interfere with the salt water because you've got these two forces pushing against each other so that of course is going to cause the thing to wobble, right? Now, uh, if, if you've ever seen a, a, a rubber band start to wobble, eventually it will break or it will snap, you know. And that's the risk to the, this AMOC at the moment. Because you've got these forces of increased temperatures, which is making the water warmer, and then you've got then the, an opposing force of. Cooling, yeah. So you have incredible heat, incredible cold all clashing against each other. One of them is gonna win. And that's not the ocean is not about winning, the ocean is all about a perfect balance, yeah, a perfect fluidity, perfect balance between your salt water and your fresh water. Yeah. so that, like I said with the Jenga tower. If it's out of kilter, yeah, it will explode. And um, so there is science out there like that the ocean is warming up, yeah, and we, we can see it. Uh, you, you know, we talked about the Explorer Shore, yeah, and um, there's a crab that moves with the temperature, a Zanto crab or a uh, uh, montague crab and if you find a montague crab where it wasn't before it means the water has gone warmer in england the montague crab has moved you know from the southern tip you know they are starting to find the crab and people were like Crabs don't move because of, you know, they move because of the warm water. They're like, oh, I'm going to go this way because the water is warmer. Where before that barrier of, you know, colder water would keep them where they are. Because you start introduce a, yeah. a, a native or a native, let yeah. not native, it causes yeah. havoc.
0: Yeah, so I'm, what I'm hearing is there's more than one canary in the, in the mine in yeah. this situation. And, that and there's a whole series yeah. at different parts of the mine.
1: That's why we do so many of the Rockwell experiences. Because we have that baseline of, well, we found a hundred flennies. This summer, the next month, we only found two. You know, we can start to gather that. Now it's pretty stable at the moment. Right. But you can imagine if we start finding more furrowed crabs, we're like, we never, you know, we haven't been recording furrowed crabs. And now all of a sudden we're getting more of them. Right. But that's all to do with citizens. Now, this is the Curum exhibit. Uh, this really is the future of modern medicine. Uh, so, Curum, they, they look at the adhesives, the sponges. I'll show you the sponges here. Uh, Maria Vittoria Mara is an expert on sponges. Uh, but the way I tell the story is have you ever gotten sick? Right. Um, sponges, uh, they use chemicals to attract lots of species inside them, right? A microverse of these small little micro animals all living together. You know, mm-hmm. everything's going really well, but all of a sudden, it might invite a species starting to make it sick. What does it do? It sends out a chemical signal saying, "I need someone who's going to eat." And what that does is, is um sets set this chemical out, the chemical goes in or the creature goes inside the sponge and eats the chemical to making it thick so then the curum and medical devices are thinking well, you know, we get thick I wonder is there anything we can do to make ourselves feel better and that's where the thinking is behind that that they, they can understand how the sponge is able to make itself better mm-hmm. after eating something that melts mm-hmm. well then maybe we can uh, synthesize it mm-hmm. um, like, like with different types of medicines and uh, other health benefits on the shore they're all looking at how, how marine sponges um, uh, create these health benefits
0: I'm looking at a map here and it's telling me that you have 290 species of sponge yeah and uh, that uh, they're uh, all over, literally all over the country. Yeah. Um. I, do they live? Ash, um, do they need a particular depth? You're not going to find these when you walk in and go in the black rock. Out Would there. you
1: believe? It? Yeah, we, we do find breadcrumb sponge on on black rock. Right. Yeah. So sponges are um, they're, they're incredibly tough. Uh, if you break a sponge or a sponge breaks, it'll uh, regrow another sponge. Okay. They're very resilient. It's amazing. All things except climate change. Yeah, yeah, and warming of the water. Yeah, right. Oh. And then we go to our estuary. Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about the heart of the ocean. Yeah, and um, uh, this is known as the kidney of the sea. This clears out all the pollutants from uh, the estuary, is that water course between your salt water and your fresh water. So, a lot of species come here before they make the journey into the ocean to reclimatize. Of course, you have thousands of seabirds that go into the S3 is because they know it's a safe ground for food, uh, sources of food and water. So it's like that balance, your estuary. 3 you know, someone says, ah, oh, well, you need fresh rivers. And then you go, well, no, you need a clean nursery. No, no, you need a clean ocean.
0: No, no, you need a Green
1: clean... West. No, they're all interconnected. Yes. Um, yeah. And the, we have to have a balance between them all.
0: Some species are exclusively freshwater. Some are exclusively seawater. They're at that transition stage. And some are... are yeah. Like salmon goes back up freshwater to yeah. to spawn. Are there many that would be, like salmon, that would be both... Uh, salt and fresh water yeah the, the tolerance um, so the tolerance changes they, they,
1: because uh, we do uh, the uh, rock pools on Grand Beach and we do find the European eel, it's an endangered eel it's come all the way from the Sargasso Sea Right on this North Atlantic trip, so you have yeah. the eggs that float along the trip as the water gets cold, they get thrown onto all these coasts across the Europe, right. and we're very lucky that we we are, you know, we do receive some of the glass eel So the glass eel will stay here in the rock pool until it gets a little bit bigger. Yeah. Then it will make the journey to transition to a river river eel. It stays in the river for seven years. Then all of a sudden it gets this signal that goes. You need to go back to your spawning ground, and then it transforms again. What's your Really cool is Plato, the uh, famous Greek philosopher. You know, your son said he didn't know. He thought eels were made from clay, and to this day, no one really knows the eel story. Okay, they have a lot of really informed, uh, there's informed data. There's in, you know, there's lots of scientific research. almost it's almost unknown how this eel comes all the way from Saragossa how it ends up on the shores how does it transform you know how can it what happens that it actually it goes from like egg uh, first stage second stage elver or glass eel elver river eel uh, then back to silver eel it changes its body seven
0: one times
1: one yeah I, that's why there was so much data on it because they used to think it was seven different species because you know if you've seen like if you say it's scary there's, there's sea eels on the shore and then you'd say no no there's river eels in the river yeah. and then you say silver eels in the ocean. Yeah. They're the one species. Right. They just evolved Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's so interesting about them because, um, you know, you'd Google it and for information, and you'd hear a lot of conflicting stuff or some stuff that sounds real, but the, the common eel is still a relative mystery as to how it, you know, how it moves, how it goes in the Sargoth. It it's a six thousand mile journey. How do they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have rats, and, and like when you think about that, uh, change is really important for the uh, survival of the species. Because yeah. if you have too many females yeah. and not enough males, so the rats will change sex from male to female to redistribute or repopulate or rebalance uh, the, the, the you know that population. Yeah. Yeah. Fish, it? yeah. So it's like that self-care. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, we go to our shark eggs. Yeah. So this is once again the citizen science S- uh, Starting here you have a look at the egg cases uh, that you can find washed up on the shore Every year we do uh, the egg case hunt uh, So uh, Galway Bay is a little nursery so you have the female Ray will come in and she lay her egg in the sand. Right. Uh, after a few months once that egg hatches uh, the little turnback ray swims off, but how do we know there's turnback in the ocean? Uh, these uh, rise up and they get washed up on shore. Right. So when you're walking along the coast, you know, you might say, "Oh, Gary, look, I found twenty turnback ray eggs. I found two egg cases and I found one cat track one catch shark egg. Wasn't oh, there? Oh, there it is." then you go the next week and you find 300 and you go this is amazing you go back next year and you find none like we found 3000 or 300 last year how come we didn't find 300 this year what happened then you hear reports of everyone saying yeah we did an AKS on, we didn't find anything so you need citizens walking looking you know people walk the beach every day so you go with your camera and you go yeah found an AKS healthy found an AKS healthy
0: and then you're like oh my god, something happened there, I didn't find any. what's going on? You just really, say you go with your camera. Yeah. I know in this day and age that there's not a lot of things, when you take the picture, you can literally either upload it or somewhere, and it'll help you identify what yes. the species is. Is there any such facility? There's two, there's uh, Marine Dimensions, uh, Perth Search Ireland. Yeah. Uh,
1: they do a fantastic, um, uh, they have a fantastic um, Perth Search story. So they give you all the information on how to record your case. Uh, the Ray Project, it, are focused on the protection of the, the rays and skates in Ireland, Right. they will also accept the submissions and recordings. I do it myself now with Explore Your Shore, yeah. uh, so it's very simple, like you have your phone, yeah. it's your name, your email, and photograph
0: and date and nope. you're done right um, I know I've seen uh, ray uh, big ones because there is the, the ray yeah and, uh, do you remember our first story we talked about the bass so a flapper skate uh, doesn't
1: become sexually mature until about 10 years right Right. but you know when you talk about the aspect of bycatch and overfishing yeah if they catch a fish a flapper you know they're not looking for flappers they're looking for other types of fish yeah if they catch the Flapper, and then they go. Oh, we don't want flapper, and they throw them back in. Then they die at the bottom. That's yeah. the huge problem with bycatch, right? Um, because they're catching fish who shouldn't be caught. Yes. But like that, you know, we talked about the like, like the Bordish Gamara, They have escape vents in the nets. Okay. So when they catch their fish, the smaller fish can escape. Right. Through right. Through the vent, Right. <laughs> it's um. all about that. Like you know, years ago you talked about that you could never overfish the sea. Right. You know what I mean? That was the greatest lie ever told. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can overfish. The- Gary,
0: we're going to talk a little bit about the ra- uh, the Raven casper Brilliant. So, Gary, the Ravencaster, yeah. uh, you have a big event uh, with, um, I know, two schools, one in Newfoundland and one in Mayo, yeah. are um, uh, twinned, effectively, yeah. over this fascinating project where you had, um, to describe it physically, I understand the craft is about, uh, it's like a, like a small surfboard. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you imagine the story, and um, so you're um, walking along the shore, and all of a sudden you see this... Thank <laughs> you boat and you're wondering what's going on and it's decorated, you know it's like a little uh, message in a bottle, it's got all little stories inside it. And you find out it actually came from another part of the world. And of course with all the, the Ravencaster boat the educational you all have the transponder and so you can investigate. So it's called the Ravencaster. Of course it got lost along its journey, you know, it was meant to stay in the ocean a longer. Uh, it got washed up in Ackle, it was flown by Ackle. And then they made a reconnection and they said guys look, uh, what I love about it is the cooperation we share one ocean uh, and it's really great to see both communities of people who love the ocean come together to share the wonderful story of where where it went what we learned along the way and, and what people thought about it uh, when they found it so it's like this great collaboration with where these uh, where these uh, young people are going to share and talk about their experiences of those who built it and those who
0: built Found it. What's particularly rich in this story is that Newfoundland has such a close relationship with Ireland, yeah. going back to yeah. the 1600s, yeah. and that relationship is based on the ocean. Yeah. The um, I
1: hope your listeners won't mind, but we have a fish in the ocean tank uh, called the Yankee fish. And <laughs> right. uh, years ago, I suppose, with the family, is, is it a predator? <laughs> so the um, it was probably one of the most valuable fish that could be sold on market but, so during the famine it, was, it cost a lot of money to get a ship to go over sail to America uh, on pastures greener Right. so the community would get together and fish for the Yankee fish uh, and they would pile together the gilthead bream which is so valuable so would be able to support sending the young person our young family to live you know have a much better future so like we talk about that you know the Connection to the fish. It was ultimately the uh, the way it afforded passage to bring people to a new start in life. So I think that's great to mention that. and as you know, and as, you
0: know as you know, the Irish for Newfoundland is Age. Yeah. Yeah. It's not um, Talavnoah. Yeah. It's Age the land of the of the fish. Yeah. Um, and again, so many of the names in Newfoundland. You have Doyle. You have O'Brien. Hearn. It's um, uh, uh, going off my head at the moment with some of the, but again, so many names that come, particularly from the south east. Yeah, I, I think we, 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 we
1: and I think that's what, what the ocean it unites us all. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a great unifier. It's great for uh, uh, recreation, well-being, socialising. It's a social contract. We all share the same ocean. We should all respect it and we respect each other. So, um, you know, I, I think that's um, what we'd love to see with the Ravencaster event is a whole community of, uh, you know, there's going to be scientists there, there's going to be people from the community They will all have really amazing stories to tell about how the ocean is so important for our, our well-being our livelihood. You we'll know, talk about the protections uh, uh, and we learn a little bit more about the stories of the sea that can educate uh, uh, more people.
0: Gary, we're going to have to wrap up and as I said earlier on I think what well, we should fin- finish up with is maybe Galway Bay um, as yeah. soon as we're on in Galway and uh, looking over at there on the other side and looking yeah. out towards the Aran Islands um, I want to thank you for taking the time it's been fascinating and I would strongly recommend anybody uh, to go on www.nashasquarium.ie yeah. and uh, you get all the details and uh, you're open 10 to 6 because under is it 10 to yeah. 6pm yeah. um, all 7 days of the week 7 days a week and then in
1: summer then it's uh, Monday Saturday Sunday 10 to 6 and Monday Friday 10
0: and as we said at the beginning no need to make reservations come in yep. and uh, it is very much suitable for family I will confess we've had our grandkids floating around and we've been able to let them run loose uh, thanks William, so for your time thank you
2: Austin, lovely to have you